Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. morning it's good to be with you again um, for us that haven't gone away it's still good to get together and worship the Lord together won't you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 15 and this morning we are only meditating on one verse verse 13 Romans chapter 15 verse 13 This is what the word of the Lord says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Lord, would you use this verse to speak to us, oh God? Um, Would you help us to grasp this reality of hope that we've been singing about. Um, You use your word, Lord, to make this a true reality in our lives that we not just speak about, but experience it. And so, would you bless us now, even as we meditate in your word, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Sometimes we are familiar with concepts, um, but how do they translate to reality? So, for example, the concept of patience, uh, and after you deal with an internet service provider for a number of days and phoning and trying to get things done, and then uh, you realize, is this reality of patience true in, in my life? Or... What Melissa and I have also been experiencing at this moment is um, the reality of potty training a three-year-old. And uh, while number one is sorted, uh, number two keeps happening. And every time you're washing the underwear, you feel like, ah, do I have patience uh, to this process? Um, and we are familiar with, with the concept of hope. Uh, we, we hear about it. But how does this translate to our lives, our reality? What, what is hope? What, what are we talking about? Um, so the verse that we find ourselves in is in a context where Paul has just expressed the hope of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. He speaks about how the Old Testament predicted that the Gentiles would also be recipients 
of this great salvation found in the Messiah. And he quotes from the Psalms and quotes from Deuteronomy and in Isaiah. And then at the end of verse 12, if you read there in your Bibles, the root of Jesse will come even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. And then he transitions to, to go to a prayer. And this is a small prayer that he does for the, the church of, uh, in Rome. And he, and he prays for hope. Now, hope, Strong's defines it like, as this. To, un- to anticipate with pleasure. To expect to have confidence. Earlier in Romans 8.24, Paul says this about hope. But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Now the question is that I want to put for us today firstly is where do we put our hope? And, and I was thinking about how, how do I translate this more into our, our lives in a more tangible way. And I came up with this phrase, what makes you say tomorrow will be okay? What makes you say tomorrow will be okay? What is your source of hope? Well, Christians will say, God, God is my hope. We've been singing. Christ is my hope in life and death, as the catechism says. But, but is it really? I must confess that sometimes God is not my primary source of hope, if I'm being honest. So what, what keeps us hopeful? What sometimes keeps us going? What makes us say, I will be okay? Well, let me give you a couple of, of options that I believe are uh, often the case. I think one of the primary sources of hope that people uh, have is self. It's self. In other words, how... Why do you say tomorrow I will be okay? Because, well, I trust in my capabilities. I trust in my understanding. I trust in my intellect. Sometimes that's why you are able to say I will be okay. Because you trust yourself. Isn't that true? But should that be our ultimate source of hope? Well, the Proverbs 3 verse 5 says advises against it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Another source of hope is sometimes our work. That is, your job is what keeps you going. A job stability provides for you uh, finances and financial stability and so you feel safe and, and so you think, well, as long as I have a job, a paying job, tomorrow I will be okay. 
as long as I have that money coming in, I will be okay. But I believe that COVID was a big uh, eye-opener for a lot of people because from one day to the other, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their incomes. Some people put their hope in, a, in an institution or, or even a person, your boss. May you trust your boss. I trust my boss. He's a nice, is <laughs> a really good boss. But I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, either for him or for me. Now, neither of us are planning to go anywhere, as far as I know. But some people would, would put their trust and their hope in, in a person or an institution. I think of, in, in my case, let's say, uh, uh, the Baptist Union or a BNA. But how do you know which direction they're going to go tomorrow? One last example, maybe bringing it closer to home. For some of you, your hope is found in your family. Maybe your spouse. As long as your spouse is around, you'll say, I will be okay. As long as your child is around, you may say, I will be okay. Or maybe it's your parents. As long as they're around, I will be okay. But none of those things should be ultimate our reason for the answer, I will be okay. Tomorrow I will be okay. We ought to redirect our eyes to the God of hope. Matthew Henry says, God is the God of hope. He's the foundation on which our hope is built. And he's the builder that doth himself raise it. He's both the object of our hope and the author of it. The hope is but fancy and will deceive us, which is not fastened upon God. In other words, any other thing that we put our hope in, if it is not God, it will deceive us. And, and think about it with me. Only God is for certain tomorrow. And not, not just that, but the nature of God, the immutability of God. In other words, I can have assurance that tomorrow, God will still be good. It's not that just God will be there, maybe He will change His mind or, 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 or just punish me for no reason. No, no, I have an assurance because of the character of who God is, that tomorrow I will be okay because of who God is. He's the God of hope. He's immutable. And so, because of who He is, I can face tomorrow. I will be okay. All other hope, as good as they can be, and as good as they can may make you feel, they're not certain. They are they can provide momentarily security. 
But we ought to hold fast to Him who is unchanging, to Him who gives us hope. Now, what is this hope accompanied by? Well, the prayer that Paul says, asks, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. With all joy and peace. Now, I want you to notice something in, in this prayer, and that is that Paul prays for inner change rather than outward circumstances. Paul prays that we will be filled with joy and peace rather than, Lord, change my circumstances. Now, it is not wrong to, to ask God to pray, uh, to change our circumstances. But the point is that God is more, interest in, more interested in who you are becoming. He's interested in working in your life, not in providing for you a smooth sailing of circumstances throughout your life. This is a lesson for us to, to pray better, rather than, than always just primarily, Lord, change my circumstances, like, Lord, change me, fill me with your joy, with your peace, so that I can face these circumstances. So that through, through very deep waters, you may respond differently. Not because your circumstances have changed, but because you have changed. We cry out to God, but how often do we just stay at the surface level saying, Lord, change my circumstances. And... God is working in our lives to make us in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And He's, and, and he's interested in changing you first rather than your circumstances. You are His workmanship. And Paul prays here for all joy and peace. A commentator puts it, Paul is praying not for a percentage, a portion, or fraction, but for all the joy and hope that God has promised to those who love Him. God is not stingy, but He's a gracious giver. And Paul desires that the saints at Rome, and you and I, as children of the Most High, will experience this supernatural joy and peace to the max. So we can experience an inner peace and an inner joy in difficulties. This is what Paul is praying for. Now, I was, I was trying to research, and maybe you have experienced this at, at some point, but what does this actually look like in actuality? What does this look like in the life of a believer? And I came across a story of a German pastor called uh, Gerhard. And he was fleeing during the 30-year war in the 17th century. They were forced out of their home. And one night, as they were in a small village, without uh, homeless and afraid, his wife breaks down and cried openly in despair. And to comfort her, 
Gerhardt reminded her of scripture promises about God's provision and keeping. Then going out to the garden to be alone, he too broke down <laughs> and wept. He felt he had come to his darkest hour. Sometime soon afterward, Gerhard felt the burden lifted and sensed anew the Lord's presence. And taking his pen, he wrote to him. Now, I don't know this hymn. I listened to it. So maybe some of the more mature folk would know this hymn. <laughs> but these are the words of the hymn. Give to the winds thy fears. Hope and be undismayed. God hears thy sighs and counts thy tears. God shall lift up thy head. Through waves and the clouds and storms, he gently clears the way. Wait thou his time. So shall the night soon end in joyous day. What, what makes someone experience and write such words when everything around is falling apart. This is a true experience of supernatural God intervening, giving hope, joy, and peace. And, and this is real. We can experience it. We can't fabricate this. And this can't be done just humanly. But, but we as Christians, we, we live... The Christian life is a supernatural life. And we sometimes just assume that word for, you know, raging miracles and, and, and all those things. But think about how, how amazing and supernatural it is for when everything around you is falling apart and you are full of hope and joy and peace. That is supernatural. It, can, it comes from God. It cannot fab, be fabricated by us. But we do play a role in this. And that leads us to, to my next point. Two, two crucial components for this hope. And the first is, as you read there, in believing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now, the Greek word here is in the present active infinitive. And it is like by believing. It's a constant action. I like how the NIV translates. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. So your part in experiencing this hope is believing. It's, it's believing in Jesus. It's believing in God. It's, it's believing in His Word, in His promises. Taking Him at His Word. Don't give up hope. Put your faith in Him. Trust in what He has said. See, we... It, it's, it's terrible when... when we deal with people that <clears throat> claim something, but they not 
not actually, they actually don't believe that. No, um, it's like if someone asks me, what, what team do you support? I am a Manchester City fan, but I'm not really. I'm, I, I followed them from time to time, but when I was a youth pastor, I was pressured into supporting an English team, and, and that's the one I picked. <laughs> but if we are Christians, we ought to trust in the words of Jesus. We ought to obey and listen and take Him at His words. That actually, I believe that He will not leave me nor forsake me. I believe that all, in all things, God works together for the good of those who love Him. I believe that Christ is holding me in His hands. I believe that God is good and that He loves me. And that no trial that I may be facing is from outside of His control or design. Do we actually believe in those things? John Piper says, Notice that it is in or by believing that we are filled with joy and peace. And it is by the Spirit that we abound in hope. When we put those two halves of the verse together, what we see is that through our faith, our believing, the Spirit fills us with His hope and thus with His joy and peace. And of course, since hope is such an essential part of being filled with joy by the Spirit, what we have to believe is that God is, as Paul says, the God of hope. We have to rivet our faith on all that He has done and said to give us hope. We have to, as we go through our Christian life, we have to take hold of Jesus' words. We have to keep trusting in Him so that we may be filled with hope. That is our role to play. Secondly, is, is that this is this hope and the joy and the peace is given by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've, as, uh, as I have already indicated, this is a supernatural intervention of God. The Holy Spirit fills us, not just with hope, but abundant hope. Abundant hope. Brothers and sisters, we as Christians should be characterized by a hope that is contagious. You know, we shouldn't look like miserable people that have no hope. That, that just walks with, with our faces down all the time. Life is hard. I am, I am not for a moment saying that, that we don't face trials and difficulties and struggles. But the difference is that we, we don't face them as the world who does not have hope face them. We should be abounding in hope. And the fact that this is a prayer tells us we need God. We need the Holy Spirit by His power to fill us with joy and peace and hope. God by His power can fill you. 
and make you abound in hope. See, this, this is part of our sanctification. And, and it goes hand in hand. Our believing, playing our role, and God by His power giving it to us. As we trust, God fills We can go through life's difficulties abounding in hope. And I want to share one more true um, example of, of this displayed. Because what I really want us to understand is that this is it's not just a concept. I want, I need hope, you need hope. This concept needs to become realized in our lives. And I want to, what I want us to get today is that it is possible for you to live an abundant life of hope. And I want to read you, and, and I think I've read this before, and please forgive me, uh, it is slightly long, but I promise it's, it's worth it. And, and it's, it's the, the death of Polycarp. Polycarp was one of the early church fathers, he was discipled by John. And when the church was being persecuted, he was arrested and he was brought before the proconsul. And this is, this is what happened. The proconsul urged him harder, take the oath and I'll let you go. Curse Christ. Polycarp respond, responded, 86 years I have served him. And he never did me any wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? When the proconsul kept insisting, swear by the divine power of Caesar, Polycarp answered, If you vainly suppose that I will swear by the divine power of Caesar, as you say, and if you pretend that you do not know who I am, listen plainly, I am a Christian, and if you wish to learn the Christian message, arrange a meeting and give me a hearing. <laughs> I have wild animals, the proconsul said. I will throw you to them unless you change your mind. Call them in, Polycarp said. <laughs> For we are not allowed to change from something better to something worse. Scorn the wild beasts and I'll have you burned alive if you don't change your mind. Polycarp said, You threaten with fire that burns for a short time and is soon quenched. You don't know about the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment that awaits the wicked. But why? what are you waiting? Come, do what you will. Then Poly, uh, the announcement came. Polycarp has declared that he's a Christian. And at the herald's announcement, the whole crowd roared with wild anger and loud cry. This is the father of the Christians, the destroyer of our gods, who teaches many to stop offering sacrifice to the gods. Shouting out with one voice, they demanded that Polycarp be burned alive. Immediately they began to pile the wood around him. They were going to nail him to the stake as well. But Polycarp said, leave me the way I am. 
He who gives me power to endure the fire will help me to remain in the flames without moving, even without being secured by nails. So Polycarp put his hands behind him and was bound like a noble ram out of a great flock ready for sacrifice, a burnt offering prepared and pleasing to God. And listen to, to his prayer as he, uh, as he was about to be uh, burnt. Lord God Almighty, Father of your beloved and blessed child, Jesus Christ, through whom we have received full knowledge of you, the God of angels and powers and of all creation and of the whole family of the righteous who live before you, I bless you for considering me worthy of this day and hour, of sharing with the martyrs in the cup of your Christ, so as to share in resurrection to everlasting life, of soul and body in the Holy Spirit. May, my, may I be received among them into your presence today as a rich and acceptable sacrifice. For this and for everything, I praise and glorify you through the eternal and heavenly high priest, Jesus, your beloved child. Through him and with him, may you be glorified with the Holy Spirit, both now and forever. Amen. What makes a person face death like this? But of that I hope in Jesus Christ. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew where, was, where he was going. There was nothing around all the circumstances that is affecting his inner being. Did you hear his answers? Does that sound like a man who is afraid to die? Or is that of someone who knows exactly where he's going and he's secure? It's a firm hope in Jesus Christ. I want to close with a verse from Ephesians. And this is really what Paul is, is being saying from Ephesians 2. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. See, this, is, this was you and me. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, because of what Christ has done, we have direct access to this God of hope. Because of what Christ has done, we have been brought near and we can enjoy abundance of hope, joy, and peace even now in these difficult times that you live. Even in facing trials, you can have hope. You can experience this. 
So this is my prayer for us. As Paul prayed for for the the church in Rome. This is my prayer for us that the Lord will fill us in such a way that we would be hopeful people. People that that other people look at and like how how do you how are you facing this like that? Someone asked me this this week. Oh, Isaac, you don't seem faced by, by, by anything. How, I, I said, uh, well, you don't know. I, 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 do, I do get overwhelmed. I do cry and I do sometimes come to my list and say, give me a hug. I need a hug. <laughs> we are going to continue to face trials and difficulties and challenges, but, but we have hope. We have hope. Let's pray. Lord, we want to echo the, the words of Paul to the Church of Rome. Oh, God of hope, fill our hearts, Lord. As we believe in you, as we believe in your promises, fill our hearts. Fill with joy and peace and abundant hope, oh God. I pray for those that right now are feeling despair. Lord, fill them with your hope, oh God. That supernatural hope that only you can give. Fill them with your joy. That altered circumstances will not affect, Lord. Fill them with your peace. That peace that surpasses all understanding. That is not dependent upon circumstances. Fill our hearts, Lord, with joy and peace and hope, we ask. Lord, would you even give us perseverance in asking for that, Lord. In praying. Just as Paul was praying, would you give us perseverance in praying for that? Till that becomes a reality in our lives, oh God. Would you encourage us? We we need you, Lord. We we need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us, oh God. You help us even in believing, Lord. Bring to our minds and to our hearts those wonderful promises of God. Lord, we thank you that you are unchanging. You are immutable. We thank you that you have been faithful, Lord. You will remain faithful. We praise you for your faithfulness. That gives us hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.